Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Alrighty, welcome back to the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tepfai. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. We have a very fun Cavs game to talk about. We have some seating to talk about. We have still no bio guy to talk about and a few other things, uh, a few more pieces of fat to choose, so to speak. So we welcome in friend of the pod, Evan Valenti of Celtics Beat to do exactly that. Evan, what is up? Gentlemen, it's good to be here. Uh... Buyout guys, I thought eventually somebody would shake loose, but it, it turns out that being the deepest team in the league means you probably won't get buyout guys. So this is where the Celtics stand at this point. Um, but is that a bad thing? I The thing is, when's the last time a buyout guy helped anybody? And I don't know if any of us have answers to that. So Oh, I do. P.J. Brown. That's about it. But that's the only <laughs> example we have. It's it. It's like the last time it worked, Lisa was on the Celtics. Such a good one. Yeah. Um, Actually, yeah, this is a novel thought, and we weren't going to start with the buyout thing, but uh, we were going to talk about the fact that Grant Williams got his first DNP, Peyton Pritchard got a DNP. If you're a buyout guy, I mean, maybe you're happy to cash a check and collect some DNPs and stay ready, but maybe that is uh, part of the calculus. I hadn't thought about that until you just said that. But um, It's always about the next contract, and they're always looking for one more, um, yeah. and you're, you're probably not getting it beyond the Celtics unless it's coming from the Celtics, so... If you can't showcase what you can do, it's going to be tough. And that's kind of what I think they should be doing with this last slot. Since they're probably not going to find anyone who's going to help their playoff run, they might as well try to find somebody who doesn't fit on some other team that still has some potential in future seasons. Mm-hmm. Tony Snow, come on down. Yeah. What is I it, mean, the, the quintuple zero that game where he played 28 minutes and didn't register a single stat? <laughs> that's true. That is a Tony Snow. But – as long as Tony Snell can hit an open corner three, which he's been doing just fine in Maine, then uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I mean, maybe Tony Snell. I mean, if Tony Snell retired today, that would, Evan, be his legacy, I think, in the NBA, unfortunately. <laughs> so maybe he feels like he can he can change that narrative. I feel like you have to for Tony Snell. It's the only thing you're famous for is doing nothing. It's incredible. He just got some cardio in that day. That's it. <laughs> um, as someone who... Barely stuffs the staff sheet, stat sheet at my men's basketball game. I'm thankful for the cardio every Tuesday. Um, right. All righty. Let's, I mean, we weren't going to start with the bio guy, but anyone else have anything else on the buyout market? Um, just for clarity's sake, if a guy is cut now, it's he cannot be added to be playoff eligible, but the Celtics have until the end of the season to sign guys who have already been uh, waived or bought out by March 1st. So there's like a little bit of legalese going on. Also, if they haven't been part of the league at any point this season, they can also be added to the roster and be playoff eligible. Come on now, can't come on now. <laughs> that's a that's a secret for the YouTube crowd. If you want to know what I just did, you have to watch. As a, as a Syracuse guy, I just can't. And as and as much as I love him, why would he want to do that? Like, why would he want to just come and sit on Celtics bench and clap? I'm serious. It's a paycheck. Malik Kitts would not mind. 
I he could do going. that or he could go he play in Puerto Rico for so much more money. <laughs> okay, well, I like that one too. That one I hadn't considered. Um, whoa, I really like that. Okay, I got I to gotta think about that one. Anyways, let's talk about this Cavs game because it was extraordinary. Um, Boston mostly won wire to wire, although things got dicey towards the end. Tatum went for, I believe, 41, 11, and 8. Looks like that wrist is okay. Donovan Mitchell also had 44 on the other side of the ball. Evan, any takeaways from still a regular season game, but a, a fun matchup? Well, the Cavs are the Cavs are uh, you know they're early, right? They're they're not they're not going to be contenders quite yet because because it's really hinging on on Mobley turning into something really special, and all the tools are there for that guy. So you just hope he stays healthy and continues to progress the way he's done. Um, I like the Cavs a lot. I just don't think that they're they're quite there yet. And as we kind of talked about pre-show. I think actually the Knicks would win that series if you if you played. And it looks like the four or five is going to be Knicks Cavs in some sort of order. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Knicks would win that series. I think the Knicks play a very unusual style of basketball. But to get back to the Cavs, um, Mitchell is tremendous. He's probably going to make an All NBA team this year. Um, which team I couldn't tell you. Dame has has made everything weird, uh, <laughs> and Steph Curry not playing for a while has also made everything weird. So it's going to be kind of wonky with those guard spots. But but Donovan Mitchell is amazing. I mean he, he but the other, I mean Garland is very good, very talented. Um, I like Mobley. I like I mean I like a lot of their their team, but they don't really have anybody outside of their two guards that can score in half court sets like you're going to see in the playoffs. Like. They're a fun regular season team, and they're way ahead of schedule. J.B. Bickerstaff has done a tremendous job with that team. Uh, they just don't have the horses yet to compete with a, with a Boston or a Milwaukee uh, in, in a seven-game series uh, like they're going to need to to really go that far right now, in my opinion. Now, like, things could change. Moba could become some monster. I, I don't know. I just don't think they have the firepower quite yet because, you know, Donovan's going to get his – but after that, you know, Garland, young player, good player, uh, but hasn't seen playoff defenses yet. You know, um, same with Mobley, hasn't quite been on that level yet. And look, you're, they're going to get experience. That's going to be great for them. If they lose in the first round, whatever. If they win the first round, lose the second, that's great. Like, this is all gravy right now. It's it's. If you look at what Boston did years ago with Tatum and Brown as young guys, and they got a lot of playoff reps, that's what I'm going for right now up on the Cavs. Try and get these guys as many good playoff reps as you can. Um, but that game specifically, like they're a good defensive team. And it was great that Boston, what I thought was very interesting, and I want to hear your guys' take on it. I the most interesting part of that game was how easy Boston scored in the paint against one of the best paint defenses in the league. I found that yeah. very interesting. Anybody else? Yeah. Definitely. Um, I want to jump in on that really quickly, but though, um, just back to the Cavs. I think a lot of the Cavs experience and hope that, you know, for kind of what you were talking about, like uh, having that ball handler who can kind of get downhill and initiate offense and, you know, be that kind of vet presence for them. A lot of that was hinging on Ricky Rubio being healthy, which I think is inherently a kind of dicey proposition and has been for a while. Um, But I think, you know, if I'm a Cavs fan and I'm trying to go kind of glass half full, I guess the thing that I'm thinking of is, 
maybe with another season of Rubio under their belt, uh, you know, kind of getting more familiar with that offense that he provides that vet leadership for the second unit. I generally agree from a structural standpoint. I do think they have some guys who could emerge as playoff contributors, definitely watching Dean Wade among others who had a quiet game last night, but has been known to play pretty well in different spots, you know, as a kind of wing shooter and someone who I think is a better defender than people give them credit for. Overall, the Cavs do look really good, but uh, I, you know, I want to pivot back to the Celtics and kind of what you were just mentioning, specifically the paint. Um, the thing that stood out to me last night, and it's directly related to how well the Celtics were scoring inside, is that uh, last night was by far, I thought, the most comfortable that Robert Williams has looked in a long time. Um, and I think that he and Horford are really starting to figure out some of their two-man interior passing game in a way that feels more sustainable. He doesn't seem like he's back to being the kind of peak athletic freak Robert Williams that he was last year before he got hurt, but he's definitely growing more comfortable in Missoula's offense. And so much for this team just depends on like when they're hitting their threes. And that's been a cause of consternation amongst a lot of different people. But when the threes are falling, everything in the lane opens up for this team and it becomes so much more difficult to guard them. So I think more comfort for Robert Williams and the Celtics hitting their perimeter shots really made their interior offense flow nicely last night against a very good interior front court. I want to jump in and talk about that three-point shooting the earlier part of the game where it looked like a repeat of the Knicks game. Uh, I know that you, Cameron, asked Joe Mazzola about his three-point shooting, and we were talking before uh, you put out the article about his response, and I was just mortified that he was just like, yeah, just keep shooting with more confidence. I was like, but then they went out on the court and they did all the things that we were asking them to in terms of like generating easy buckets. Uh, so kudos to them. Uh, but in terms of that also, and this relates to the whole Grant Williams thing, the whole idea of getting Mike Muscala onto the floor probably pay, played a role in that. And seeing him paired with uh, Sam Hauser, I think was a really interesting combination for what you were talking about. I mean, I, I think I disagree insofar as Grant Williams is such a great three-point shooter. I mean, not, yeah, but the other aspects of his not game. as of let yeah yeah I guess so I mean the Missoula thing it was a non-answer so for folks who don't know Justin was looking at the stats and Boston is dramatically worse in losses from three than they are in wins and so I asked Missoula about that and he said oh they just need to be more confident which does not address you know a systemic flaw that that we were hoping to to learn more about um, and so it, it didn't really assuage, I think, my concerns. I think Boston is going to live and die by the three. Alex, to your point, it opens everything up for them. The problem is when they're not hitting their threes, they shoot the exact same number of shots from distance. And so if offenses aren't on, on any given night, you know, really guarding their perimeter close, then the inside is is not the same as it once was. I will say, Alex, um, so this is another like kind of YouTube peek behind the curtain. Um you, we're recording on Zoom and everyone kind of like nods politely as someone's talking. And when you said the thing about Rob Williams, we all started nodding really hard because <laughs> I thought I thought you nailed that one. Um, yeah. Um, and just really quickly on that, I'm going to slightly push back against the concern around the three-point shooting, if only to say that the whole kind of ethos of Missoula Ball has been, if you have a good shot, you should feel confident shooting it. 
Um, and so far, that is largely borne out in the Celtics' favor. You have guys like Al Horford hitting 44% from deep right now, career high for him. You have uh, Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon both catching and shooting at career high rates. And what that does in terms of just like warping the floor and making it more difficult to stack two, three guys on Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, I think you can make a pretty credible argument that with the way that the Celtics are chucking away, it um, it makes it a kind of pick your poison scenario where, all right, you want to leave a 44% three-point shooter open in Al Horford and stack up on Jason Tatum, go ahead. He's going to knock down everything. Or the counter, okay, we're going to close out on perimeter shots and try and stop the threes from flowing. Well, guess what? Here's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown getting isolation one-on-one matchups against lesser defenders. I think from a basketball philosophy and coaching standpoint it actually makes a lot of sense to just keep hitting the three-point button when you have shooters who can hit it like this when you have a Sam Hauser when you have a Mike Muscala um and I think that even if they're not falling the fear factor of having that many good shooters on the floor can still warp defenses and bend them in a lot of different directions that will ultimately play out in the Celtics favor yeah, I want to pile on top of that because I made this argument. I'm not quite sure if it's an argument anymore. Uh, this is probably the greatest three-point shooting uh, team in the history of the Boston Celtics right here. Yeah. I mean, everybody on this team can can pretty much light it up from three with the exception of, like, Rob. That's really about it. Guys that play, you look around uh, because Derek White has, has become a much better three-point shooter this year. Shout out Ben Sullivan for helping him with that. But between Brogdon, White, Smart, Horford, um Hauser, Muscala, Grant. I mean, there's seven dudes right there without naming Jalen or Jason that can shoot really well off the catch. And that's primarily how they're gonna they're gonna make their living. And when they're hitting shots, this offense is impossible to beat. It's just like it's 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 crazy. What what to me what was really interesting was the play that everybody's highlighting, um, and everybody clipped it, uh, was the alley oop from Al the Rob. And what they missed was the first part of that sequence when they got the offensive rebound and reset again and did all that fun stuff. So when the ball moves the way it moved last night with the Celtics, especially on the game, they're just going to be really impossible when they go inside, outside, swinging around. And and Scal talked about this on, on Lowe's podcast a couple of months ago about how Boston, they don't beat you with the first set all the time, right? It's the second rotation, the third rotation, where all of a sudden here comes Rob Williams, who you've definitely forgotten about over in the corner, by the way, because he's not a three-point shooter. He's just been hanging out in the weak side corner for a while. Now the ball has magically found its way inside to Al Horford. What helps is Al Horford is a tremendous passer. Okay, Al, Smart, Tatum, I would, it, Brogdon, White are all great passing guys, right? Jalen, not quite there yet, but that's okay. You can't have everybody like that. But what happened was the ball hit the paint. Everybody cr- you crashed on Al, and here comes the most athletic guy on the team, team crashing from the weak side corner, throw up in the air. Only Rob's going to be able to get it. So what 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 they are what they do is because they're such a proficient three-point shooting team, as all of you have talked about, it really opens up the paint. It's a really kind of a weird way to think about basketball because we've been so trained as people to be like, no, the ball's got to hit the paint all the time. And Boston's saying like, yeah, well, what if it doesn't all the time? And we just shoot threes. And because we're good at shooting them, we force you to our will. And now we've opened up the inside. It's kind of counterintuitive a little bit. 
it reminds me last year of game seven bucks Celtics where the bucks are like, yeah, just grant go crazy. And he was like, fine, <laughs> thanks. Uh, it worked out really well. Like you're going to live with that result. You're going to have to like in that particular game, go back to game seven in that game. It was like, if grant hits these shots, we win. If they don't, we lose. And because it was the open shot, it made the most sense. If they lost that game, it's like, yeah, well, Grant didn't hit shots. Like, that's just going to happen. We're going to have to live with that. And they won that game because Grant hit them. I'm not – the reliance, the over-reliance on three sometimes bothers me in the fact when they're down so much, they tend to over-rely on them. But I, I have really no issues primarily with the way this offense is run. And, again, the fact that they did a lot of their damage in the paint against the Cavs what was really surprising because they're such a three-point chucking team. And what was really interesting was how often they would go at Mobley one-on-one on the perimeter to get by him and get to the basket. And that you combine all that stuff last night and you get a really, really, really impressive win against a really good team. I think part of what we're dealing with is – when we see these bad nights like against the Knicks, uh, we are so not used to them. And there's so few things to talk about with this team that are necessarily bad to begin with that they tend to get overly magnified. And it is concerning to think about what would happen if the three-point shot abandons the team for like multiple games in the playoff series. But we also did see, again, really good signs of what they can do when it isn't falling to get themselves back on track. So as long as we keep seeing that, I think we just need to move on. Well, I thought you were going to say trust the process. Um, Oh, we're not doing that. (laughs) uh, What we are going to do is uh, we're going to pause the action and talk about our friends over at betonline.ag, your number one source for all your sports betting this season with everything from pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, NHL, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at betonline.ag with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive that reward. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. So, uh, we won a little bit of news, and then we want to talk about the importance of seeding for the Boston Celtics. Um, and then news is away from the basketball court and perhaps overseas in Europe. Dr. Quinn, um, you wrote about this, so can you kind of fill us in that uh, – what is his official title? He's a co-owner? He's a governor? We call him? Uh, well, I think the league wanted to get away from the term owner because owner, of its implications yeah. for a while. So they're kind of interchangeable, and people have kind of not really been into the whole governor thing as much lately. At least it seems that way from what I'm reading from people. But I digress. Uh, this whole thing, like Steve Pegluka seems to like uh, European football as in what we call soccer. Uh, he tried, He bought Atalanta and Italian clubs. Uh, they are a lower level team in terms of European football. He then tried to buy Chelsea. That did not work out. Uh, he was not deemed the best club. They have very strict rules with how who, who can buy a club in, in a Premier League, as I understand it. Now he's been connected to Liverpool or uh, Manchester United. Um, I'm definitely the last person affiliated with uh, the Celtics Lab podcast who can tell you accurately how these things work. But from what I know, he is rumored to be interested in these teams and was asked about it and kind of deflected in such a way that it really does sound like he does have some interest in at least one of those two teams. And then you were a soccer fan of any consequence? 
Uh, I was, I mean, I haven't played FIFA in a long time, so my like <laughs> soccer knowledge and my football knowledge is a little tough. Back when I was an addict, uh, in terms of FIFA, though, I was actually a quite a big Chelsea fan. Didier Drogba was my favorite uh, football player of all time. Um, you know, uh, I used to love watching the Ivory Coast. Uh, I just loved yep. the fact that he was like the biggest, strongest, most physical guy, but also was awesome at scoring. Um, they had him and Fernando Torres at one point on the same team. And I was a big Fernando Torres guy. So I liked walking, watching Spain. Cause that was like <laughs> that team they rolled out was the most outrageously gifted team when they won the world cup. It was just like, not even fair. Um, so I got really excited about that and it, it didn't really work out for Fernando or for Chelsea. So, um, I've been a little bit off that it's okay for, for owners or governors or however you want to put them to be involved in other things. Um, you know, the, the big main thing is, is, you know, Wick is super involved and incredibly invested in the success of this franchise. It's not like um, for me, like, and I just, I, I just did this on another pod. So I have to be like kind of careful, but like, I really don't care for John Henry right now. The owner of the Red Sox, Liverpool, Fenway Roush Racing, all these other things, all the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, because I think he's, he has like too many investments going on. And I don't feel like he cares about the Red Sox enough right when they let Mookie Betts go away is Bogarts yeah. go away I'm gonna get into that it seems like to me that even if Steve has other investment opportunities that the Celtics will be in great hands because the guy that really controls things Wick and it's an ownership group it's not like it's just Wick but the guy who's the face of that group Wick loves his team um Austin Ainge is still involved Mike Zarin is maybe the biggest Celtics fan on the planet and that's a really <laughs> great thing so it's not like I'm not concerned about Stevie P going somewhere else and having another investment opportunity. I think at the, at the end of the day, the Celtics are the most important thing to most people in that ownership group. So I'm totally fine with that. If he wants to go have fun somewhere else, the the main guys that need to be involved, they're involved and I'm, I'm happy with it. And, and like the financial problems, questions they have coming up, um, you know, as long as they just keep paying Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, like I think that they're going to keep doing that as long as they can. I think we're going to be fine here. Yeah, that's my main concern. And there seems to be no no immediate reticence to spend on the Celtics. As long as that continues, I have absolutely no problem with whatever else he wants to spend his money on. It's his money. Well, didn't, didn't Wick come out and tell Jalen himself, like, we're not trading you. Like, don't worry about this. That's not a thing. Like, just yeah. relax. Why would you say that if you weren't going to resign him? Right. Well, it, and that's the point. Like, I think that I'm my biggest um, – concern right now has nothing to do with anything on the floor it's about Jalen Brown becoming an all-NBA candidate and so they can get rid of this I hate this storyline it's it's killing me for years it won't go away until he signs a contract and even then it won't matter but in, as most people should know by now uh, everybody should be very invested in Jalen Brown making an all-NBA team because they can sign him to the max extension a year early that extension blows everybody else out of the water Financially, it makes the most sense for Jalen Brown to be to remain a Celtic. I just don't want to deal with this storyline anymore. I'm sick of this stuff. Um, I want to root for Jalen and Jason the rest of their careers for the most part. I love them. Um, this is one of the, the reasons why um, like I'm so heavily invested in this team winning a, a title because I, like you guys, uh, for the past couple of years, I've been trying to tell everybody, like, you don't trade Jalen for one year of Kawhi. You don't trade Jalen for one year of Anthony Davis or name X player. No, you win with this group. You don't draft in the top three two years in a row to trade one of these guys. You, you do that so you can build the core like the Thunder did, like the Warriors did, 
like the Spurs did. Like that's the way you try and run this thing. And uh, everybody trying to throw cold water on that over the past five years uh, has taken a toll on me and taken probably a toll on a lot of people. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of it. And I'm, I, I, well, the day that I don't have to worry about this stupid storyline is going to be one of the happiest days of my life. Cause I just, I will feel peace. It'll be great. All right, looking forward to that. That's what Banner 18 is all about, I guess. Yeah, I will add to that on top of this being perhaps the best three-point shooting Celtics team ever. It's certainly one of the funnest teams in a while, um, which let's let's keep that moving. It would be a bummer to return to the, the doom and gloom days of like 2018. Have you so, thought about that at all? Like the past, the past rosters that uh, we as fans have rooted for because it's that like we're supposed to be fun fans. that we're not fun. Yeah, I mean, Jason Tatum had a signature playoff win against the Brooklyn Nets in a game in which the only other player who is still able to start in any capacity for any team in the league was Marcus Smart. Uh, those rosters give me war flashbacks, and I have thought about them frequently. I miss Terry Rozier. Anyway, yeah, I think that t- that team that went against the Cavs, where the Celtics won one game in five. Mm-hmm. If you go back and look at that roster, it's tough. <laughs> it's it's really tough. Yeah, that um that like now iconic photo of Isaiah Thomas throwing everything he has at LeBron, who just dunks it anyways. Uh, like I've I've never seen a, a series summarized in one photo so beautifully. All right, let's talk about this season, and hopefully things go further than five games. Um, we have, I don't know, 18 games left. Uh, a better host would know this number for sure. 18-ish games left on the schedule. And Evan, we want to know how important seeding is and... 19. 19 games. Um, how important seeding is and then how important chasing that seeding is. So um, we're, we're going to kind of think through, do the Celtics need to rest? Do they need to prioritize health? Do they need to prioritize tinkering? Do they need to chase the one seed? Um, and on and on and on. It's worth pointing out that Boston has like a 98% chance of getting the one or two seed. As of this morning, they have a 55% chance of the one seed, according to basketball reference, and a 42.3% chance of the two seed. So we're really focusing our attention on splitting hairs between the one or two seed. With all that said, Evan, off the cuff, where are you at with the home stretch? Um, I tweeted out this the other day. I think there are three important things. Um, or three three questions you have to ask yourself between now and the end of the season. Um, health is the biggest question. We know this. I think everybody like if this team's healthy. If I don't care what seed they are, do they have all the guys? If they do, I feel good. Right? There are only going to be a few certain situations where I don't feel good about that, and it's pretty much just like playing the Bucks. Um, number two, most important question to me is what is the best non-Jason Tatum lineup that they can throw out there. They have between now and the rest of the 19 games to figure out what lineup Sands Tatum is the best. Cause we all have seen the numbers, the on off splits of when Tatum's on Tatum's off, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Tatum basically with anybody is incredible. Like you can throw him out there with pretty much any bench unit and that team's going to find ways to score. It's, it's remarkable. I mean, you look at the, some of the numbers and early on in the season, I know it's a little different now, but like there's a reason why Hauser, White, and Tatum were all in the top seven or eight of plus minus of the entire season because Tatum was out there with those two guys and they just did a lot of damage. So that's another thing that you have to worry about. And then three is like the Missoula thing, and he's got to learn some stuff over the next couple of 19 games. In terms of seeding, 
you know, it really comes down to, are you afraid of anybody besides the Bucks? Because eventually you're going to play the Bucks, and that's going to be the craziest series probably of the Eastern Conference, and you're just going to have to live with whatever that series brings. Um, I guess seating wise, I, I I don't know about you guys, but like I don't sweat Philly at all. So if they're the two <laughs> seed, like I just don't care. Like I, whatever, like bring on the 76ers. I just don't really care about that. Um, I would like to avoid the the Miami Heat. It pretty much all costs. Um, I still have like mental uh, problems and I just get really scared and nervous playing the heat. I know talent wise, it's not close, but Spolstra is a genius. And Mm -hmm. the way he uses zone defenses is a little bit different than I think everybody else does. Um, I am so impressed with what he does with the roster he has given every single season. He is to me, top three coach in the league and he's closer to one than he probably is to three. I mean, he's really spectacular. So I'd like to avoid that. Um, and again, you're going to end up playing uh, the bucks at any point. But the thing is with the bucks is like home court is huge and you'd like to love to have home court as long as you can. But are we really super concerned about going into Milwaukee and winning a basketball game? I mean, Tatum's game six performance was the, Oh, Hey, I'm a superstar now performance. Like that was it. And I know people, you know, Nick Wright's like, oh yeah, now he's finally in the the, the superstar club. I'm like, yeah, okay, good. I'm glad everybody's on board now. Um, it was his 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 the best performance of his life in the biggest game of his life, do or die game on the road. Um, I I you know, that's I don't really again, the Bucks are a tremendous team. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying that they can't beat the Celtics in a seven-game series. I'm not saying that. My only point is. I don't fear Boston going into that environment. I just don't. Now, the flip side, the Bucs won games in Boston last postseason, so they can say the same thing. So I, I don't think it really matters. I think in those seven games or six games or however long it takes, it's just going to be what team makes the least amount of mistakes, and that team will probably go to the NBA Finals. Um, but if, if you know, Miami and the Bucs played in the first round and, and the Bucs got rid of Miami – that would make me thrilled. I'd be really happy about that. And, you know, I guess I would like to not play the Knicks because the Knicks seem to have the Celtics number this year for some particular reason. Um, but like Boston's gonna be the one or the two seed. That's a great, that's a that's a it's a great start. Um, if they're the one, that's awesome. If they're the two, that's awesome. Um, I guess Western Conference, if you get that far, um, do you really fear going on the road to Denver? I mean, I don't know. I guess they're pretty good at home. They're not as great in the road. They're great at home. Um, the Warriors, who you definitely have to think about because, like, they're just going to always be there. They're a disaster on the road, yeah. but they're unbeatable at home. So, you know, I guess you can think about it in that. But Boston, if you line up the teams by talent, they're the most talented team in the league. And one yeah. through nine, one through eight. So, Based on talent, it doesn't really matter where the game's played. It can be played on Mars for all I care. They're going to have a shot. I think for the most part, I agree with you. I am typically a big home court guy, and I think that the numbers tend to bear out that teams that have home court in series tend to win those series more often than not. But if it comes at the expense of health, then health has to be the priority. The Celtics team has made a deep run before, obviously last year to the finals where they came frighteningly close to winning it 
Um, uh, anyway, um, so they've definitely um, had plenty of experience winning on the road. They are a good road team, and I'm confident that they could win a road series if needed. But in general, with these playoff teams, particularly in the later rounds, when you're going against the Bucks, when you're going against a Denver Nuggets or a Phoenix Suns, every advantage that uh, you can think of helps. And so I would definitely prefer that they try to at least be in range of home court and try not to fall any lower than the two seed. But again, if it comes at the expense of health, if it comes at the expense of being rested and ready to go for the playoffs, then rest has to take the priority. I actually think that a lot of these things are kind of complementary because if you look at the remaining schedule, 19 games, as we said earlier, about half of them are teams that Celtics should be, even if they sit a player or even two from the starting lineup. So you can get your, your meshing with the teams that you know that you need to play your best players to win. And you can get your tinkering and your rest in in the other games. So probably we might be overthinking this, which is, you know, not the best podcasting in the universe. But oh, go ahead. Just really quickly, I mean, I think we are overthinking this. Ultimately, what this comes down to is that um, the Celtics have a very good shot at the one seed. And if the Bucks keep winning games at this ridiculous pace they're winning it, then they're the probably going themselves. to get the one, seed, the one seed. I mean, like, that's really what this comes down to is just that the Bucks are currently on a 16-game winning streak. And as what? such... Remember yeah. last season? The, the, the Celtics won... But the Celtics went real hard to close out the season and probably, probably, theoretically at least, should have rested to have some legs in the finals, right? And they didn't. We'll um, I, I, I think, I think, I think I disagree. Um, just as a factoid, Boston is 21 and five all time at home in game sevens and five and four on the road in game sevens. Those that data doesn't mean anything because. This, it's a different team and it's a different type of basketball, but just for fun. Um, the reason that game seven at home matters to me is I still find myself observing that the Celtics get the yips, that they're that the team that beats them is themselves. We've said that before. And um, Evan, I think the Warriors are so imposing for the Celtics in particular in theories because they would pee their pants um, because I think that they – play emotional basketball as well they might they're young and basketball's an emotional game um so i do think that there's value in trying to preserve the possibility of a game seven at home against the bucks i mean the last series just was so exhausting between the two teams it was such a rock fight to your point it came down to grant williams getting hot a la kelly olenek um and so i think it, it matters to just have that little inside track for the celtics that said yeah uh, just holding two conflicting hot thoughts in my head at once. I think Jason Tatum is number two in minutes in the NBA right now. And you don't get to a game seven if you run out of gas before that. I mean, I was watching Mavs Sixers before this and the Mavericks are screwed because Luca has to do so much work on every possession. And so I don't know, I go back and forth. I think that the emotional value of having game seven at home in your back pocket really matters. And at the same time, uh, Boston is really balanced and deep, but if, you know, Tatum or Horford or Brown are tired and just like worn out by the start of the postseason. That's a problem too. Um, so I think I would push back that I think there is value on game and having a possible game seven on your home court. But 
uh, I don't know that they need to change anything to go do that. It, it, Alex, to your point, if the Bucks go out and grab the one seed by winning 16 straight games again, I mean, they won six, 16 straight games. You know what I mean? I just want to point out they've won 16 straight games and are only a half game up on the seas for the best record. Yeah, That's the yeah. thing about the Celtics. I don't think any, everybody's like, oh, the Bucks have won all these games. I'm like, yeah, and they're a half game up on the seas in first place. Like, if you're the Bucks and you've won 16 straight, wouldn't you want to have a bigger gap between you and the team in second? Like, you just got first place. Like, that, and that's the – I think I, this season – maybe you guys disagree with me. Um, because everything has gone outrageously well this season, for the most part, when bad stuff happens, it's like an overload yeah. of like, oh, like the world is in. It's driving me crazy. It's like, guys – like people are finding the smallest things to nitpick about this team Absolutely. while they're still in first place and have the best record in the league. I was like, I mean, what are we, what are we doing here? I mean, I, again, I have been team. Please enjoy the ride. <laughs> this team went to the NBA Finals last year and is in first place right now this year and has a top five. Like, and people after losses are like, the world is going to end. And I'm like, you're preaching in the choir games, here, Guys have off yeah. nights. Like, this is going to happen. Um, I think we're all on the same page, though. It, you know, it don't sacrifice health to have home court. That's not going yeah. to win you uh, an NBA title. Having everybody there is going to win an NBA title. And and again, having home court, Cam, I think you bring up a good point of like this team gets a little emotional, and that can be a good thing or a bad thing. You know, it, it can be uh, it can get snowballing out of control on you, like it happened against the Warriors and happened against Miami a few times, or when you have Game Seven at home, that crowd can really be an amazing galvanizing, you know, character in the entire game. And this team feeds off that. Like the bench definitely feeds off that. And if the bench is feeding off and the guys in the court are going to feed off that. So I think, again, we're all kind of on the same page. Boston, you know, if they can get home court for the entire playoffs, that's wonderful. This team has got as much experience as the rest of them in the Eastern Conference, if not more in the playoffs. So it's not like they're going to get, it's not like, again, talk about Cleveland. Cleveland has again a great season. The playoffs are a different animal and they have no idea what it's going to be like outside of Donovan Mitchell. Boston has two, uh, three guys that have been to what for the Eastern conference finals and the NBA finals. Like it, it, this team's in a great spot. Everybody needs to relax. Um, they're going to be a, a top two seed. And that's when you – if you go back to September and E-May gets dismissed and Joe Mazzulla is replaced um, and you told me then that Boston would have a top two seed in the Eastern Conference locked up, basically in March, I would take that. And all of you would too. So don't tell me you wouldn't. Like this is – where I mean, you know, I feel like we're all kind of grasping at straws here at certain times. But like this is a – this team is tremendous. This is – they have the exact team that they wanted. They wanted a little bit more ball. Hand. The only problem is like if Gallo were on this team and could actually play, that would be just really awesome. And they would just, they would have, again, they have too many, they have too many options. They have too many options. He might be collecting DMPs. Like, I mean, just, look, there's not enough minutes. It's great. I don't know. And, and the thing is with me, like a little conspiracy theory here, he's running and shooting and doing all this stuff. He goes to games. He's hanging around. He's like, you're telling me he can't be ready in like two more months? I mean, come on. I mean, look, I don't think they'll play him. I think yeah. they're like, look, save it for next year. 
uh, and we'll come back with the same team plus Gallo, and somehow they'll be even deeper. I don't like they'll replace Payne Pritchard probably with JD Davison. Um, mm-hmm. So they'll be a little raw at guard, but they'll still have four guards that are better than everybody else's guards. So, I mean, I don't know. This is, this is, this is great. This is so great. Everybody enjoy it. Please enjoy this. It's not like it, like think about being Sacramento right now and how much fun Kings fans are having right now. Right. Yeah. They, like, they're not going to accomplish anything in the playoffs of note, probably. Right. But they're one of the best stories in the league. And I feel like Boston fans have lost sight of that. And it's like championship or bust. It's and like speaking of, I mean, like I didn't want to say it earlier because I'm in my 40s, but like I remember the early 2000s and before. <laughs> so that's why the, the 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 Sacramento Kings fans are so excited because this is the best thing that they've seen in over a decade. And 20 years. Yeah. No, I mean, like even like getting close to the playoffs. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I know the light the beam thing was not organic. It was like a marketing thing, but whether it was like the erotic Celtics or the punk rock Celtics or whatever, the hospital Celtics, I just feel like there isn't like a rallying cry yet. And we're going to get yeah, to the we playoffs. Don't post hard enough anymore. There's not the, the, the amount of posting, the quality of posts. We're not like memeing. <laughs> way down. And it should be way up in what is a championship level season. I'm really disappointed in Celtics Twitter. Well, we well, we I, lost a big anchor, and we're well, not lost. He's just you know, shout out to the riffs man who is somewhere doing um, better. We lost our leader, man. We lost our leader. I hope I, you know. I love the riffs man. He's one of the greatest of all time. But you know, that's you know, he doesn't add the flavor that that, that this team desperately needs. And maybe he'll come. I mean, look, I'm thrilled. I love that guy so much. Um, I miss him to death. He's still out there. He, he is. is. Every yeah, once in a while, but he's not the the amount of posts. Yeah, definitely yeah. different. It's funny the there was a moment where they were dancing to the Tootsie Roll on the road, and I thought maybe this is the new Geno time, maybe this is it. And then they went on big losing streak, so just Oops. it hasn't popped off. Yeah, it hasn't popped off. Um, Evan, I know uh, you have another hit, so we're gonna do our last segment quick. Um, mm-hmm. And to justify that further. Um, Justin, who is my editor at Celtics Wire, is encouraging me to use fewer over-the-top adjectives because it's it's cheap as a writer. So what we're going to do is we're going to use over-the-top adjectives for this little game. Um, we're going to talk about possible teams that the Celtics could face in the postseason and in one or maybe two words describe that matchup. Um, so we'll with the plan, we'll each take a team and then we'll we'll all do it for the better teams. So uh, Evan, between Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, or Washington, pick a team and give me an adjective. Here, I'll I'll start. I'll go I, first. Oh, well, you start. I was going to say Miami, and I'm trying to find like just terrifying or like zombie. I can't. Like, terrifying uh, is perfect because even, even when they look like they suck, they still find ways to junk up your offense and just give you nightmares. They still win games. I don't. Get, got, I just don't get it. They've got Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. I mean, um, all right, uh, Alex. Atlanta, Toronto, or Washington, and an adjective, please. Uh, I'll go with Toronto, and I will say profoundly annoying. I don't think that the Raptors are a threat. I don't think that the Celtics would have any particularly difficult time beating the Raptors in a series, but I do think that the Raptors would make that series needlessly long and irritating because they are annoying tryhards. Fantastic. 
Um, and the point of these adjectives is you don't need to editorialize because they're because adjectives are great, Justin. Uh, just, I'm, I'm teasing Justin's right now, wrong. Um, Atlanta or Washington are on the board, Justin. Washington, they are confusing. What the hell are they doing? Yeah. Um, is Johnny and, um, Davis played? Poorly. <laughs> Not very well. Um, a series. Taco Bell. Bottom. Taco Bell. No, we don't. We don't talk ill of Taco Bell on this podcast. Um, a series between the Atlanta Hawks and the Boston Celtics. Uh, I don't think this is an adjective, but it would be Trey Young's last series as a hawk. Um. All right. Uh, let's all That's do. Crazy. He started. I like that. Um, let's all do a, a quickie on Brooklyn. Um, what would a matchup between? How would you describe a matchup between the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets in the postseason, Evan? Sad. <laughs> I was going to say poetic, but that's better. Also works. Justin. Cyclical. Alex. Boring. A matchup between the Knicks, Evan. Be uneasy. Alex? Throwback. Oh, that's good. Justin? Grinding. Ah, dangerous is the word that I would pick. Cleveland, Evan? You'd be defensive. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Justin? High scoring. Alex? Gorgeous. That would be a fun series to watch. Very much uh, Donovan Mitchell because the Cavs are going to feature that dude a lot if they're going to try to beat the Celtics. This um, is why I give you shit. That's a word. Uh, <laughs> it is now. Evan, a matchup between the Sixers and the Celtics this postseason would be hysterical. <laughs> Alex? Amusing. Justin? One game longer than usual. That's my favorite adjective. Uh, I was going to say juicy. And um, I think Miami's, I mean, uh, Milwaukee's the last team. If I forgot your team, that series would be forgetful. Um, Milwaukee, Evan. Extremely difficult. Uh, Alex? Inevitable. Nice. That's a a great, dang, good one. Okay, Thanos. Uh, Justin? <laughs> Forgettable. Forgettable? Yeah, just to throw some irrational confidence out there. <laughs> yeah, right. what the hell is that? <laughs> I'm still scarred from the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Uh, this is how I cope. Uh, dang, inevitable is really hard to top. That was um, so good. Maybe I should be an English teacher. It, yeah, it would, um, it would be becoming of the Celtics. If that, I don't know that that's quite an adjective the way that Alex, our English teacher, would describe it. But if the Celtics beat the Bucks, it would be becoming of a team of of that talent. How's that? Um, Evan Valenti of Celtics beat. I want to leave you guys with this. I have a very okay. interesting story. Um, so for those of you that don't know, I have a, a life outside of the Celtics. I run a clothing store. And if, last year, I had the opportunity to chat with a Bucks fan. And so uh, it was after... Um, the Celtics had dispatched the Bucks playing the Miami Heat. And I asked him, I said, Hey, like, just that was awesome. Like, I had a great time watching that. I'm sure you didn't. 
Um, but I just got to tell you, like watching Giannis is is just terrifying. Like if if you're not on, if you're not a Bucks fan and your team's playing the Bucks, it's just it just sucks. What it just <laughs> sucks. It sucks for 48 minutes. It's just gonna suck, and he's just gonna dominate. He's gonna get 40 points and 15 rebounds, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's terrifying. And I was like, but what is it like being a fan of the team that's playing Jason Tatum? Oh. Because I'm like, you know, Tatum's my guy. He walks on. I'm I'm stoked. He goes, it's interesting with Tatum. He goes, you know, pretty quick what kind of night you're in for, whether whether you're in for a long night or you he you might catch him on. He goes, yeah, you might catch him on an off night. He goes, most of the time he's very terrifying. Because but every once in a while you get a night where he's just not good and you just you're just like, all right, are we got a real you know we're gonna win this game, but like sometimes that changes from half to half. And you've seen it kind of lately where like Tatum has a bad first half and everybody's like, oh, Tatum sucks. And then all of a sudden, by the time the game ends, he's got 35 and you're like, what the hell happened here? So, you know, I, I found it interesting to, to see, hear the perspective of other fans trying to like cope with having Jason Tatum be the, their, their arch rival. And I think it's just there's so much talent in this league right now where like every team's got a guy. Like even the yeah. Thunder have Shea. Shea's terrifying. The guy rocks. <laughs> He's so good. Uh, the Kings have two guys between De'Aaron Fox and uh, Sabonis. Um, you know Embiid on the Sixers. Uh, the Knicks have Brunson and like every team yeah. has a guy, and it's just an amazing point in the league right now that there's so many teams that have so much talent that. Again, you have to stack a, a roster like the Celtics to really have a shot to win the title. I mean, Boston has eight dudes that are all starters on other teams. So, also for what it's worth, is these seeds were sown in what 2013, 2014 when this that trade went down, and now it's beginning to fruit. So, Houston Rockets fans, hang in there. I guess. <laughs> um, speaking of Jason Tatum, most folks who are going to listen to this podcast will be listening to it on his 25th birthday. Happy um, birthday. So happy birthday, Jason Tatum and uh, Evan Valenti of uh, Celtics Beat. And what's your cl- what's your uh, clothing brand? I didn't know that. Oh, so my dad and I run a clothing store. It's just uh, my dad's name is Steve Valenti, so it's just Stephen Valenti's clothing. Um, we have a brick and mortar store in the Berkshires in Massachusetts. Um, it's a bunch of fun. I love what I do every day. Uh, stressful at sometimes, but um, they have. Uh, I had I get a, a real great appreciation and a real like a real high of getting men dressed up and and having men find more self confidence and it's it's really amazing to watch guys when they get dressed up and put something nice on the, the amount of self confidence they have it's like kind of what fuels me now so it's it's really awesome. Goodness gracious, I could not be dressed more like <laughs> a slob. Next time, there's no worries, but no worry about it. Next that. time, I'll bring the heat. Um, all right, Evan, uh, thank you so much for stopping by. Everyone, go check out. Uh, Celtics beat, go check out what is it, Sam Valenti out in the Berkshires. If you're in the Berkshires, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah if you're and, on the Berkshires, come say hi to me, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, um, everyone, thanks for listening. Like and subscribe. We'll catch you later.